Welcome to the Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson. Uh, exhausted and still atop Notre Dame Stadium after a 47-40 double overtime win over number one Clemson. Matt, it was just, I mean, it was incredible. This was um, this is one of the great games that I've covered in 20 years on the beat. I mean, it, um, it did not live up to the height. It blew it out of the water. I don't, I mean, I'm just, I'm, yeah, it was just incredible. Your take. You can see me. Um, the listeners can't. I just cracked open a beer. I could probably have an entire keg right now after that one. Um, this Dasani that I'm having is not cutting it. <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. Um, there were so many times throughout that game, especially in the second half and especially in overtime, where I thought, here we go again. You know, I feel like I could have pre-written that column, right? Oh, they almost oh, yeah. won another one. All right. They're almost there. We're going to hear Brian Kelly and these guys talk about how close they are 11 years into his tenure. And they didn't wilt. Um, they just – they had a resilience and a resolve that – I don't want to say I didn't know they had, but, I mean, you never really know it until you're pushed to a moment like that. I mean, Clemson has been in games like this before. And so that's why, as it got, as they tied it up at the end, I thought – Clemson's going to win this game. Like, this is their MO. Dabo Sweeney is clapping on the sidelines as Notre Dame gets into a uh, angle situation to tie the game. And I'm, I'm picturing Notre Dame being very tense at the end because they haven't been in a situation like this. Uh, probably anyone on that roster in a game like this. So, um, they, they were absolutely resilient. I, I mean, I don't know how else to describe it. Um, I want to circle back as we begin this podcast to – might have been two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were having this discussion about Ian Book and his numbers. And you referenced a conversation you had with someone saying, like, nobody cares about Ian Book's numbers if he gets the ball at the end against Clemson and leads him to a game-winning drive. He led them to a game-tying drive and multiple touchdowns in overtime to win the game. I mean, that guy has brass balls. I don't know how else to say it. Um, th- th- there's, There's – you know, I, I, I try to get him a little bit, you know, post-game, asking just like, do you, do you allow yourself to soak this one in? Like, do you, do you feel really good about this? Because you can't be a three-year starting quarterback in Notre Dame without blocking out literally everything and becoming a robot uh, to for your own mental health. Like, you just knocked off number one. That has not happened here in 27 years. Like, do you let yourself feel good? And he did a little bit. He had, you know, as you would expect on a, a, a night of a lifetime for, for pretty much everyone in that building – they were all awesome post game. I mean, I, there are more. The top ten quotes of this season will all come from was just then <laughs> in the aftermath of beating Clemson. Nothing that happened before or probably will happen after will match that. Um, but boy, like that. There's you know there are not too many people I think who could uh, take the kind of hits, make the kind of mistakes that, that Ian Book made, and, and get right back up and not let them define him or, or beat him. Um, play the next play and go out there and win the damn game. Yeah, I mean, look, when he uh, when he lost that fumble near the goal line and he was down on all fours, I mean, that was one of the very few times, and I asked him about this, like that's one of the few times in his career where you've seen him show frustration or angst or anguish. Um, and it's hard to come back from that because it, it wasn't like Clemson made a great play. It was just he lost the ball. Um, and so to come back from that, especially when you, need, you needed it, I mean, this was – 
this is what he needed, I think, to change some hearts and minds and to really go from winner with a lowercase w to winner with a capital W. I mean, that's that's what happened for Ian Book tonight. Now, now it's Ian Book, it's Kevin McDougal, um, you know, it's Tony Rice. It's those those are the quarterbacks he is with now. Um, after a night like this, you know, and it had you mentioned the numbers. Like he finished twenty two of thirty nine for three ten and a touchdown. Ran it 14 times for 64 yards. And I don't want to say none of it, none of the stats matter, but I mean, he needed to find a way to win a game. Uh, and I told someone very close to him in the summer when we were talking about what his senior year, what his fifth year was going to be like, because Chase Claypool was gone. There's no Miles Boykin anymore, no Cole Comet. And it was going to be very difficult to evaluate it because he was breaking in all these new guys. And I, I told this guy, I'm like, look, no one is going to care if Ian throws 20 touchdowns and 10 picks on the year if he beats Wisconsin and Clemson. At the time, Wisconsin was still on the schedule. And I, I, you know, that is the absolute truth still. Um, no one is going to give a crap anymore about how he looked against Louisville. I mean, the amount of angstiness uh, over that just a month ago to today, I mean – that game might as well have never happened. Um, and in, in some ways, I feel like maybe that was the ramp up that Notre Dame needed for this because they needed that kick in the butt after four games to really get into gear against Pittsburgh and then Georgia Tech and tonight. But um, yeah, I hats off to Ian Book because, um, like I said, winner with a capital W now. They won the game double overtime. So it was obviously a very close game. It was obviously a very competitive and drama filled game. So I don't want to be like, oh, no, who could have seen this coming? We, we knew we. We hoped it would be a good game, and we figured if Notre Dame win, it would be by, you know, one possession or so. Um, that said, we all, you know, we all said they can't get in a track meet with these guys. You know, they got to keep it under 30. In um, the way they want it, I just – who in the world had Avery Davis coming up with the two biggest catches of the year? Who had Javon McKinley going for over 100 yards tonight? I, I, I mean – the way they won this game, and I should preface, this, preface that by saying, you know, they put up over 500 yards of offense against a Brent Venables defense. I don't care if me and you are playing out there for, <laughs> for him. Like, that's impressive because that guy does not let that happen to anyone not named Joe Burrow. That said, like, it wasn't – like, they had to really work for them. You know what I mean? Like, they weren't – it wasn't just throw the ball up and beat him with a deep ball or, or run all over the place. It was, hey, we fumble going in for the lead – Got the ball back, had to go 91 yards in less than two minutes. We did it. We got punch in the mouth on the first play of overtime when everyone in the world expected us to lose, and, and we came right back and scored fairly easily the, the next two tries. Um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I, I went into a game like this thinking, like, yes, there's that whole now, whole now or never narrative around Notre Dame. If they can't beat Clemson right now, when will they? I, I get that. I, I don't think it's um, completely off base. But, but I did think, hey, you know what, they could win this game by four or seven points, um, and, and it might not matter that much um, in the grand scheme of things. Um, if they, you know, if, if it's not a uh, – if it's a simple game. And I, I come out of this one, and I, I don't want to, you know, uh, look too far down the road and, and take away from the, the uniqueness and special moment of this night because it's easily the greatest one of the Brian Kelly era and – probably the best one of my lifetime. I was four when they beat Florida state, but um, 
I, I come out of this game thinking like they got a chance, like they could beat them again. And even if they don't, like you're not going to convince me Notre Dame's not one of the four best teams in the country if they lose to Clemson by 10 points with Trevor Lawrence after beating them the first time. That is a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what it would take, I think, to make it to the playoff with the loss in the ACC championship game. But I mean, Georgia ain't going to be there. Florida, no, I mean, Florida, Florida could win out theoretically, but they probably won't. Yeah, they get smoked by Alabama. Um, I, you know, it's, I look at Notre Dame and think, you know, what do we want out of the season? We wanted to see Notre Dame and Charlotte. We're getting that. Um, they have they can pl- they have a loss they can play with now and still get to Charlotte because they have they have the tiebreaker over Clemson head to head. I you know I, I don't know. I mean Brian Kelly was reluctant to go into the big picture. What does it mean? Is this like one of the all time great wins uh, of his career? I'll answer it for him. It is. It's probably the it's the best win of his career, uh, and it. You know, I said this a bunch during the week on whatever radio show I was on when they're asking me, like, well, you know, no Trevor Lawrence, does that sort of turn down the wattage on this game? I'm like, yeah, a little bit. It will go from potentially one of the all-time great wins in Notre Dame history to just the clear-cut best win of Brian Kelly's tenure. Um, so that's what you've got. Uh, so Yeah, and I, I mean, just the, the I don't know, the, the mental fortitude, the strength, the training, whatever it took at the end, I thought – I'll say this, like Clemson players were down on the field a lot and Notre Dame players weren't like Notre Dame beat the crap out of Clemson tonight. And I don't think a lot of, a lot of people saw that part of the game coming. Maybe they would out physical them at the line of scrimmage. They beat up Clemson. Um, they punched them in the mouth and they just kept hitting them the rest of the night. And I think towards the end of the game, you would see Clemson players get limping off the field. Um, and, you know where was where was Notre Dame better than Clemson in the trenches, and that they turned that into a weapon, and it just wore them down and wore them down and wore them down. I think ultimately that's how you get DJ uh, Uyunga Lale on his back or on his stomach or on his side um, for the entire final drive of the game. Clemson had thirty three carries for thirty four yards. Like, are you kidding me? <sighs> Travis Etienne eighteen carries, twenty eight yards. Kyron Williams, 23 carries, 140 yards. Ian Book had 64 yards rushing. Um, yeah. I do think – I don't think we were, we would have been ter- terribly surprised coming in this game if you said Notre Dame was going to have their way on the ground because I thought that was obviously going to be the, the biggest matchup in their favor. That's what they were going to have to ride to victory. Um, that defensive line played its ass off, and I did not know they had that in them. Um, I know they were going up against a banged-up Clemson O-line, but – you know, me and you wrote that story this week, scouting Clemson and Notre Dame with anonymous coaches. I mean, I didn't put this in the story because I don't like singling guys out, but there were multiple coaches there who said, you know, you think Kurt Heinrich is going to make be a difference against yeah. that Clemson team? He absolutely damn was a difference. Yep. And hats off to him. Um, they, they play terrific. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, no, I thought the line, and they got, they hit him early. You know, Heinish had some big plays at the beginning. And then obviously 
they overwhelm them at the end. Like Clemson's offensive line, not impressive at all. Like no, I, I, I mean, they, 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 look, they're they, very they were, they're very banged up, and I think they were young. They were young, short, and stumpy. Like yes. it was just they were not physically impressive at all. They're like that um, a lot, though. I mean, even fifteen. I mean, Notre Dame. I mean, when they played them, and that was a team yeah. that went fourteen and zero and lost. Well, I mean, they had. I mean, they they had. Mitch Hyatt and that uh, the guard who was drafted to Hyatt didn't even guy. get drafted though. I mean, he's great. Yeah, but I mean, he's wrong, four but, year starter, yeah. one ton of like. But the, like you watch that the the line is not a, a championship level offensive line. It's not even close. No, um, but I'm not sure. But it's I didn't. But I didn't think Notre Dame was going to just ragdoll them right. uh, through the course of the game like that. Like I thought Notre Dame could win that matchup and needed to win that matchup to win the game, but they dominated that matchup. Um, you know, I, I guess we. We do have to give some credit to the freshman quarterback who set the opponent uh, passing yardage record in his second <laughs> and, career start. And he will probably be benched tomorrow. <laughs> Holy crap. Um, what a gun on that guy. Uh, oh that, was, that was fun to watch. I've, I have not seen a, a quarterback who can stress a defense to the wide side of the field since the Cotton Bowl when Trevor Lawrence did it. His run and throw to Rodgers, I think it was late in the second quarter, where it was like a fake handoff, and it was almost like a jump pass from midfield. And it was just a dart. I mean – that was something. I mean, he, he, his arm on that first touchdown, the long pass. I mean, that kid's special. Uh, by the way, we were promised a dad cam for Dave, and we got did it a not few happen? Sh- we got a few shots of him, but only on the first overtime touchdown did we get him mic'd up, saying um, like, "Let's go." I thought mm-hmm. we would get more, which actually wasn't a touchdown, and which turned into like. A tragic comedy of ACC. <laughs> so bad. It was. Uh, hold on. I took, Why are you here, officials? I took note here. Um, when Avery Davis's touchdown got wiped away, Brian Kelly could be seen on TV saying, "Are you bleeping kidding me?" Uh, or not wiped away when it got reviewed, even though he's clearly in. Uh, Dabo was just like laughing it up, like he was at the comedy cellar. He just couldn't get over what was going on. I mean, it was. I mean, you tweeted about it. I tweeted about it. It was. Um, I mean, there were two reviews on that first touchdown by Clemson. I don't know why. I had someone uh, in the stands who uh, – a relative of someone in the program text me saying, like, do you know what the hell's going on on TV? Because, like, I don't hear. And I'm like, I, I really can't tell you. I wish I could. Um, it was – I mean, even Kyrie, uh, the first play double OT, gets face mask. No call. They had the it DPI flag it, get picked up? It was – like, I mean, like – I don't say it's make excuse. I don't say it's a problem. It was equally bad across the board. I thought early oh, yeah. on Notre Dame was getting some calls at the end. They, they weren't. It was just bad. Uh, it was just the officiating crew was just overmatched. Yes, I would uh, completely agree. With yeah, that. that was they. They were the only part of the game that did not live up to the hype. Um, so hopefully, uh, in Charlotte, we get a different crew for the the rematch. Um, I don't. What? I guess other player performances. I. I mean, I just love seeing Owusu Kormo and Travis Etienne go at it. Uh, I love seeing um, Uyunglele and Kyle Hamilton go at it. I think like it's on a fourth and one, um, and Uyunglele got the better of them. Like, there was just some really high level stuff happening out there, which was awesome to watch. Um, so yeah, I just and you know, shout out to Jonathan Dorr and BT Potter, like. Um, you're forgetting the biggest play of the night, which came from another specialist. Oh, Jay Bramblett. Are you kidding? Jay Bramblett. I mean, which by the way, I think ETN, you could see it better than I on TV. It looked like he could have just cut and not tried to get fancy. Uh, he might have maybe it was, it was, it was opening up for him big time. Um, I think that uh, 
when a kid from Tuscaloosa stops the uh, kick six, like that's that you know you're in for a special. I, I, I hate kicking a 57 yard field goal. By the way, I just hate it. Oh god, that's that, never that was like that, that was, well that was such a high risk, almost no reward. Well, that happened to Clemson against Miami earlier this year. It basically happened to Liberty today, and they got um, bailed out by Justin Fuente calling a timeout beforehand. Like, yes, I mean, there's yeah. There are a lot more bad things that could happen than good things on a, on a play like that. But yes, Notre Dame would see another day because of Jay Brainblood. Yeah, I mean, that's the other part. I mean, you know, you get the texts and tweets and all the other commentary uh, when you get down to the end of the game where Notre Dame's tying it, where it's overtime back and forth to keep in. Should they go for two? Should they go for two? No. I, yeah, I, I, I can't say no quick enough. And yeah, I just like I was like, do you guys know anything about Notre Dame football when well, you're suggesting a, this? <laughs> Two things. One, Notre Dame, like we just, went over but we just went over this. Notre Dame was the tougher team in the trenches. You don't like, it's not like they're hanging on for dear life and need a miracle to win. Like they yeah. might have at Georgia last year. Like, no, like, like they could win this game. Don't like, don't leave it a chance essentially, which is what you do in that situation. And two, yes. Do you not know Notre Dame lost to Clemson in death Valley 2015 precisely because they went for two too early and, and they had to go for it again and they didn't get it. Um, so no, that, that would have been like, the all-time, like, all right, we're done. Brian Kelly could win it all, and we're still done with him, like, fan base move right there. Like, it was- Oh, God. I mean, as soon, as soon, and also, like, when you point out that Clemson has stopped 14 of the last 15 two-point conversions <laughs> that they faced, like, then people are like, oh, okay, good point, good point. I, I see where you're coming from on that. Like, you know, Brian Kelly's, you were on the Zoom call, like, I thought at first he said he thought about going for two, and then in the next sentence said, like, he never considered it at all, like, I guess it's okay for it to cross your mind as long as you dismiss it immediately. You can't do it. There's just, you can't, I'm sure you, I talked to other coaches who are just like, you know, with with calls like that, you always have them mapped out beforehand because you don't want to basically leave the entire like well-being of an 85 person team up to like, I felt a gut feeling to do this in the spur of the moment. Yeah. That wasn't necessary. Like you don't do that. And I'm glad he didn't. And I'm glad we can stop talking about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> crazy night. I'm mean, crazy day. Crazy night. I mean, I, yeah, it was the 846 mark right as crazy train was playing at Notre Dame stadium when NBC cut out to USA. So I had to go to the double screen just to make sure I didn't miss anything. And I heard loud banging and cheering outside um, as two things were going on at once. And I ran outside to see what was going on. Um, and then I realized my downstairs neighbors were watching the game on TV and they're big Notre Dame fans. And I turned around and I saw Jeremiah Oso-Karamoa in the end zone um, <laughs> after uh, stripping Travis Etienne and going all the way. So um, there was a lot going on. Um, and then Biden, of course, gets introduced as the Rogers fumbles getting reviewed. And during that time, Larry Williams, terrific Clemson writer, tweets out a fascinating stat that I never would have guessed and I think is um, – I don't know if it's telling. I just think it's interesting. He said, Travis Etienne and Amari Rodgers were the only two players to start tonight who played for Clemson – or started for Clemson in that 2018 game, and they were the only two who had turnovers tonight. And they ended up being really big. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they did. They did. Um, yeah, the Wusu koromoa botched handoff can we talk about pete sampson our resident <laughs> game day paul feinbaum show i'm gonna say like you're we, just leaving we, us for espn aren't you we sort of like nailed our content this week i'm gonna have to say like we gave it we gave it the big game treatment with the sort of coaches anonymous 
We got the Owusu Koromoa story oh, in there. All, all those coaches thought Notre Dame could, if not would, win. Yeah. It's not like um, you know, I had the mental performance coach. I would say this took some uh, mental uh, mental discipline and fortitude to get this done. And then uh, the Clark Lee, Tommy Reese, can they sort of rise to the level of Tony Elliott and Brent Venables? And I think that, I mean, it was an incredible chess match between the two of them. They both, like, Clemson had that touchdown play to the tight end where I think, like, Tony Elliott got the better of Clark Lee, but at the end, Clark Lee got the better. Like, I love the back and forth X's and O's between the coordinators. And, I mean, I think for if you're if you're Lee and Reese, not that they ever say this, but, like, the confidence that a performance like this gives you where you adjusted, you sort of outfoxed just barely, but that's all that takes in big games. You kept your nerve uh, in a way that, I'll be honest, like, when Reese had three straight incompletions, um, the, the last one was like this deep heave to Skoranek. I was like, what are they doing? I, I thought that mm-hmm. Reese had sort of blinked at that point, um, and then the game was really going to spiral out of control. And it did spiral a little bit, only for Notre Dame to stop it and then drive back down and score at the very end. But I really, man, I got to say, like when that three and out happened, I was like, damn, Notre Dame is in some serious trouble. And the, they were, but you know, full credit to them for turning that around at the very end. Yeah, I, I completely with you. I mean, at, at no point after that did I think Notre Dame was going to win. I thought, I've seen this game before. Yeah, They've been in this game before. They're going to act the way they always act. And they didn't. Um, and and that, that, to me, is the biggest part, right? You get that stamp of validation and approval um, from you know, the national audience, which I, I know that's not why you play the game. I know that's not what you, you know, Brian Kelly said all the right things about, like, we proved ourselves. We don't care about narratives. Everyone knows what's going on there. I mean, you can't – everyone in Notre Dame knows, like, that was the knock on them. Yeah. Um, and Brian Kelly wasn't, wouldn't have been as testy this week if he didn't know that. Right. Um, and while you say and probably do all the right things as far as – um, coaching your guys up to ignore the noise. You hear Ian Book saying, "I, you know, I don't go on Twitter anymore," which he tweeted this week. So I don't really know where he's going with that. But a good, good idea to get off Twitter. Arms that out to his assistant. Um, <laughs> um, that to me is the biggest thing, right? Like they lose this game in double overtime. Play, you know, every bit as good as they did, so to speak. And Clemson makes one more big play and wins by one point, say for argument's sake. Um, you carry that 27-year burden into the ACC title game. You don't have that right now. Um, it'll be a different game with different players, but you know that you beat the crap out of Clemson in the trenches where it mattered most and made the biggest plays in the game when it mattered most and that you can go out there and do that again. Does that mean it'll happen again? Who knows? But I don't think you can put a price on the kind of stamp of approval Notre Dame gave itself from a confidence standpoint in winning a game like this. Yeah. I mean, how often would you say the national perception of Notre Dame is like, I really like watching them play. I'd like to see more. Like that's never the case. Like Notre Dame sort of carries that cotton bowl and the Alabama game and, you know, the lesser extent, the Fiesta bowl. Or Notre the- Dame is talked about in its most positive terms when people are talking about Nebraska, Texas, and Michigan. Yeah. Like, as they say, they- Hey, you Breaking know what? Notre Dame figured Texas, it out. Yeah, Texas, <laughs> Nebraska, and Michigan never win this game. Um, and, you know, we're, I was talking to Jim Harbaugh. Jim put that on his resume, by the way, last <laughs> time to beat Notre Dame. Well, I was talking to Stu Mandel this week because he was doing the, like, is Notre Dame overrated column? And I was like, do you mean overrated, like, right now or overrated, like, just a big picture? And he's like, more big picture. And I was like, the way that I described it is, like, 
imagine if Harbaugh had beaten Ohio State just one time. Like the credibility, oh, yeah. the narrative change. Like, yeah. Hell, I mean, but that's what Notre Dame did tonight. Like right. they got that one win that they have been trying to get for, I mean, maybe you, if you want to be generous and say the Michigan game in 2005, I guess. Um, but I don't think that holds. I, I, you have to go back to 93 in Florida State for Notre Dame to, to experience a win like this. And that was – I think that was why that that Avery Davis fifty three yard touchdown struck me so much. It was just like, holy crap! They made the damn play. Right. Like they made the play, uh, and I don't see them making the play. I don't. I don't cover a lot of Notre Dame games where Notre Dame makes the damn play um, that wins it or saves it. Um, so that was God. That was that was just incredible to watch because I I have not seen a lot of that in in twenty years on the beat. Uh, you know, and Ian Book said, and look, Ian Book is a fifth-year senior, a three-year starter, and a two-time captain. Uh, he's he's got a uh, a longer time in the spotlight, I, I guess I would say, than probably anyone who has played football under Brian Kelly at Notre Dame in eleven years. Um, he's been the most seen football player, if you will. Yes. Um, he's he said he got asked about you know. What did Kelly tell you after the fumble? You know, he told you guys they were going to storm the field before the game when you win. You know, he said he had faith in you on that last drive. And, and he gave a long answer, but but the, the crux of it was, that's what's different about this team. Honestly, I can say that I've been here a while. This team is special. It's resilient. This team, the whole entire time, all four quarters, and he went on to say, you know, when you play a great team, things aren't going to go your way all the time. Mm-hmm. You got to battle back. Um Ian Book saying that uh, has more credibility than anyone else on the roster saying that because he's he's seen it. And, you know, he's seen a lot of good days. He led them to the freaking playoff two years ago. The guy's had a yeah. phenomenal career. He's going to finish as what, probably the winningest. I don't know stats right. He'll finish behind Brady Quinn and pretty much all the stats. Is no, two I, yeah, he'll, he'll, he will be number one in wins. He'll be number one in wins. Yeah, I after, mean, especially after, t- after tonight, it's almost assured. And he's not he's not one for drama or hyperbole. I mean, he, he's just not. Um for him to say that, that that's very telling. Um, yeah. For Brian it's, Kelly to to say he got asked about the field storm and he said I, I could <laughs> say more than I should, and then he talked about how he reminded the guys, hey, they're going to storm the field when we went tonight. Let's get off. And then, oh, by the way, Prophet Kelly, uh, Jeremiah Uso Carmo should trademark that one. Um, someone I'm sure has already put up the the meme of him giving the peace sign with a Prophet Kelly um, uh, label on it. He has hit all the right notes with this team so far. He has said privately and publicly all year, we can win a national championship. And I know you have to say that um, to your guys for them to believe they can do it. Um, I I didn't think he was crazy for saying that. I just, I wasn't personally there yet. Um, I I think they could do it after tonight. I I, I can make a bigger argument for they can do it than they can't. Um, He's been phenomenal uh, all year. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. Just like when they were – stumbling through the first month of the season and to get out of get back into gear i mean the way they've dealt with the COVID 19 stuff has been impressive yes um, i said i don't want to take this in the podcast in a different direction but i was talking to someone at length last week in the building and, and um we were just talking about you know how they're playing on the field blah blah un- unsolicited because can i just say something um I, I don't know anyone in america who's not a doctor who's taking COVID 19 more seriously like he, kelly is in our room every morning going over every protocol, 
when we had the, the outbreak against USF, he was throwing out every possible theory and exploring every single option. He's like, if there's any head coach in the country acting this way, I'd be shocked. Like he is just so in tune with everything going on right now, both inside and outside the Goog that, uh, you know, it, it just, uh, it sets a tone for everyone. Yeah, no, it's a, and you, you hope that there aren't any uh, lingering after effects right. of the field storming. I mean, it looked like the White House Rose Garden out there after the game. So <laughs> it's, Jan- uh, I didn't see Jenkins on the field. Yeah, I don't think he made it down there. I, um, I just, I, I'm not going to. I, I'm not personally comfortable ripping college kids for being college no, kids, knowing what I break. Like, uh, now, look, should the school have had some kind of like procedure of preparation? Probably. What is that? I don't know. But Yeah, you can't. That's the that, – that's the will of the people right there. Um, they were not going to be stopped getting out of that field. And as soon as it was fourth and a million, like I was looking around the stadium to see what that looks like. And everyone had come down and they were just pinning each other against the, the wall to get down on the field. So you knew that was exactly what was going to happen. It played out exactly that way. There was no stopping it. Um, it was just sort of a force of nature, and like I don't want to, I don't want to spend a second uh, tis- tisking Notre Dame about the st- or the students about getting on the field because that I think would be ridiculous and a waste of time. I agree. <laughs> I, I have no follow up question. Right. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Uh, by the way, um, Mike Tirico, you know that game went really late, as we know, and he really dipped into his bag of tricks at the end. He, he made a reference after a Michael Mayer catch saying, uh, "There's another freshman mayor in South Bend," and then he said. 2020 has been terrible, but let's go to 4040 in the the overtime period. Mike, I know you're listening. I wish you saved that kind of material for the Shamrock, but I'm happy the world got to hear it on a national broadcast on NBC tonight. You did great tonight, especially pronouncing Uyanga Lole, uh, which uh, can be a bit of a tongue twister. Pros, pro. I, I, I got an email from my mother this morning saying, wow, you really nailed it. And I said it once on a pregame show on stadium today. So, um, I will again pat myself on the back for that. No, yeah, it was an awesome – it's just an awesome atmosphere. Um, you know, and it's, I mean, it is, it's a little bit of a shame. We're not living in normal times where 77,000 and change could yeah, have been. Those here students make 90% of the noise anyway. I mean, I don't, yeah. like the pregame and the tailgating I get, but yeah, just, yeah. And just like the memories of like people being able to say that they were here would have been awesome. Um, you know, this is, this is one of those games that, uh, when our kids are working for the athletic and we're retired, they'll get to do an oral history Hosting of the game the and they can interview us. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it, I mean, this, this game will hold, it will stand, even if Notre Dame loses the ACC championship game, like tonight will mm-hmm. stand the test of time um, because it is something Notre Dame has not done in almost three decades. Um, it's not something Brian Kelly has ever done. Uh, it's not something that Ian Book has ever done. It's not some of these students have ever seen uh, in their lifetime. I mean, you just think about that, like the, the, the kids who are at the game, they mm-hmm. like, an event like this has never occurred in their lifetime. So this, this game will, will go down in the history books and at Notre Dame, that is, man, that is a big honor because this place has some pretty friggin' big history books. It's what makes college football so unique. I mean, fans or no fans, you're never going to see a regular season environment like this in the NFL. Um, you just won't, um, no matter what happens. And I tweeted at halftime. Um, that was the most impressive half of Notre Dame football in my life. And, I got a lot of, you must be young, which thank you. The world really is a nicer place today uh, as advertised. Um, yes, I was alive for 93. I didn't see it. I, I'm not going to count it because I was four. That was the most press half. And you know what? I knew Brent Venables was going to make adjustments. Um, I didn't know. I thought the question to me going into the second half was, could Notre Dame's defense play that well 
for another 30 minutes um, to, to hang on. And, and I guess and, and sort of the answer was no, but then in overtime was yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, the, yeah, the bottom line is yes. I mean, yeah. you, you knew Clemson wasn't going to stay down. And, it, you know, again, you said such a, such a special moment and environment. I mean, we saw the, the tweets from our friend Tim Beret showing Dabo Sweeney, um, one of the greatest coaches in the game around campus yesterday. I mean, you know, and you get that a lot, right? When Oklahoma came in in 2013 and beat a mediocre Notre Dame team, Bob Stoops was posing for photos on the field with his family in front of the scoreboard. He, like, he doesn't do that when he beats Kansas or, or even Texas, probably. Maybe Texas, but no one else in the Big 12. Uh, Kirby Smart, when they won by one point in 2017, um, I wrote about Georgia that game and was in the press conference, and, you know, he, he kind of bit his tongue the whole press conference and said, you know, it's just another game, but I'm proud of our kids. And the minute he gets out, he finds his family, and he's got a grin and a bear hug for all of them that I've never seen another grown man give in my life. Like, it just means more to win in an environment like that. And, like, I, Dabble Sweeney is a, a – uh, appreciates the history of the game. I mean, I, I wasn't in on his press conference, but I saw the quotes. He said, you tip your hats in every game. That was an all-time great game. You know, I'm proud of our kids for what we fight. we got to put them in a better position, et cetera, et cetera. There was no bitterness or anything. I mean, a, a game where everyone literally late, left it all out uh, on the field. I mean, it, it was um, – rarely do these kind of moments uh, live up to, let alone surpass our expectations, and this one did it tenfold. Yeah, so I guess they will just sign off with just thank you, college football. This game was freaking incredible. Um, Let's play two. <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait to see it again in December. We'll be able to have those. Uh, I don't. Well, at least I'll be able to have drinks with Grace, as predicted on our. I'm drinking right now. I'm already ahead of you. I'm going to wait till December 19th. Um, yeah, it was just. It was an incredible game. Uh, now I get to go write about it. By the time you're listening to this podcast, that story will already be up. Just know that I will be uh, hammering right at my keyboard until about four in the morning. Um, so it's you're. I can already see the math equations flashing across your face as they did in the uh, uh, ESPN my jazz piece. Hands and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was. Uh, it was a hell of a week, uh, and the game was it. Like we said, so rarely in sports that it, it happens that the game lives up to the hype that you have to appreciate that. I mean, but Mike Tirico came on the show and said, could, "Blew it out of the water." Tirico came on the show two weeks ago and said, "How cool would it be if they went into the fourth quarter with a close game? We got double overtime, and they were tied entering the fourth yeah. quarter." Yeah, um, it was funny in the press box when they're like, "This is Notre Dame's first double overtime game since the Pittsburgh 2016 or, game in Texas. Texas." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that that sounds applicable." We've, um, we've come a long way in four years, huh? Oh my god! Well, it's, I mean, it was interesting this week was the four-year anniversary of that Navy game in Jacksonville when they went to – they fell to three and seven. It was Alohi Gilman being like, hey, I could play for you guys, right? Um, <laughs> I mean, shit, four years to get to this? That's – You're talking about Notre Dame football, right? Yeah, I'm talking about Notre okay. Dame football. I'm talking about Notre <laughs> Dame football. Four and eight to beating number one. Only. Um, man. What a job uh, that Brian Kelly's done. So, yeah, maybe that should be the last note, like a tip of the cap to Brian Kelly. So it's why you, I wanted to bring this up earlier. I forgot, and, and you just reminded me. You said something on the Paul Feinbaum show earlier this week that I had never really considered, and um, now that I've let it kind of settle into my brain, I think it's both accurate and um, telling in a way that um, most people might not think it. You said you weren't sure that the roster on 2020 Notre Dame is – infinitely more talented than the 2016 roster that went four and eight. Um, I would not disagree with that 
statement. But mm-hmm. I also think, look, anyone who's listened to this show has heard Pete and me say, you know, how much we think of Clark Lee, how much we think of Tommy Reese. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of, you know, just repeating myself here, but Notre Dame's on-field coaching, I, is, I don't think it's a stretch to say we saw four of the best in the game tonight between the guys on the other sideline and press box so four, four and the guys. Players. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as combinations, I mean, Clemson's uh, tonight notwithstanding is the best. I mean, they, they burned that. They, they won two national championships and played for a couple more. Um, but, like, you don't, like – I look at this Notre Dame program and I think they just beat the number one team in the country and, 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 and have a chance to win a championship this year. And, like, they don't recruit or invest in their football program – in the same ballpark as Clemson. Like no. they're doing something so damn well. And I think they could be doing other things well, which is another podcast for another day, but like, they're just like, they just get the most out of their guys. Like they really do. Um, it was uh, what fine bomb asked me. It was like, how has Brian Kelly changed? And I, I've said this a bunch of places, but I don't know. I mean, he's, is he different? For he's, sure. he's different for sure. Like, I don't want to take that away, but I think more important than the how different he is is he has made incredible coordinator hires. Um, Elko Long now to Lee Reese. Polian, I mean, that's four. Polian, yeah, that's four for four or five. And then Bay, five. Bayless is yeah. I mean, change everything. He's made incredible hires, uh, and the program is the beneficiary of it. I mean, you, that's that's how you get to have the nerve to get after the quarterback in a second overtime. That's how you have the nerve to take deep shots to Avery Davis. Even if they don't work, you stretch the field. That's how you are able to build your program into one that can just kick the crap out of Clemson in the trenches. Uh, I don't care if it's fifth-year seniors versus freshmen. Notre Dame beat up Clemson tonight, and that, mm-hmm. that, that's, not a, that's not something that happened this week. That's something that's happened over the last four mm-hmm. years. So, I, yeah, I give Brian Kelly – a ton of credit for pulling all the right strings on that. Cause this was, uh, this was an all time great win. The best win of his coaching career. We'll end it with Pete Sampson's redemption. We've been giving him grief for the uh, camping world ball since it happened. He called Notre Dame beating Clemson at the beginning of the year. He called it this week. Uh, let's see you do it with Trevor Lawrence, Pete. No, uh, good call, Pete. Thank you, Matt. I, I felt pretty good that. about my seven point Clemson win after the first play of overtime, but what are you going to do? <laughs> Yeah, it was a it was a hell of a performance. I'm I'm glad I'm glad that it came down on the right side of history, Matthew Fortuna. So <laughs> your head no, your head will be too big to fit in the Zoom window. Oh my uh, goodness! After the week you yeah, had. it was quite a week. It was quite a week. But uh, we will be back next week because there is another game to talk about. Um, and there's is there any history of, there? There's a little. I mean, there's some history, a little like personnel narrative with the quarterbacks. Um, I think we'll have plenty to talk about this week as Notre Dame heads to Boston College. But for tonight, at least. If you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you've had a few drinks or you're over your hangover from the night before. I don't know. Whatever. You could be drinking on Sunday morning the, for all I care. Yeah. You've earned it if you're a Notre Dame fan. Uh, he's Matt Fortuna. I'm Pete Sampson. You've been listening to the Shamrock following Notre Dame's 47-40 double overtime win over number one Clemson. Clemson.